On this episode of Tamarindo, we talk about therapy speak or the popularity of clinical terms entering our everyday conversations. We speak to licensed mental health therapist Rosa Shetty, the host of the Inner Healing Paths podcast. My special guest co-host is Audia Bolaños Perea with Color, Colorado Organization for Latina Opportunity and Reproductive Rights. Anna Shayla will be back next week. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to Tamarindo, y'all. I am very excited because I have a very special guest co-host today. My special guest co-host is Aurea Bolaños Perea, who is Strategic Communications Director with Color, the Colorado Organization for Latina Opportunity and Reproductive Rights. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Brenda. I'm really excited to finally get to be a Tamarindo podcast, but now to be on this side uh, with the mic on, I feel very official, like I'm part of the group now. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so as guest co-hosts, we would love to know a little bit more about color. Tell us about color. Yes, yeah, so color. Uh, we choose to say it in Spanish to be like authentic oh, to our Latino perfect. community. No, and it's fine, right? Like some people are like color and it's like, eh, you know, the acronym is there. So Color, the Colorado Organization for Latina Opportunity and Reproductive Rights, is the only Latina-led reproductive justice organization in the state of Colorado and continues to be uh, for now 25 years. It is actually our 25th anniversary next week. Happy anniversary. Oh, you listen, I after seeing how much went into organizing and setting up an event for about 150 people makes me not want to plan my wedding now that I'm engaged. And I was thinking of all these things. I'm like, you know what? No, not for me. We're hiring somebody because there's no way I could handle this on my own. Um, but Color, you know, we are very special because not only do we advocate for the reproductive health and access of all Latinos, but we also talk about the intersectionality between being Latino and a woman, being uh, LGBTQIA, being an immigrant, being monolingual, right? There's so many intersections about the identities of Latinos in Colorado, but of course, across this, the country that Color, we really specialize in advocating about those intersections, right? Like how is immigration and reproductive healthcare one and the same when we talk about issues, right? When we talk about liberation. So I am so proud to be part of this organization as our communications director, which means that the emails that get sent, the press releases, if you see my face on TV, uh, or if you see me dancing around on TikTok, that's me. And we we love the TikToks. They're amazing. Yeah. We, we've shared them. And we, we really just commend the incredible work of, of Color and the work that you're leading. So thank you for spending time, especially I want to let the listeners, listeners know when are we recording? What is happening today? Even though we don't know at this moment, but by the time you all are listening, <laughs> you'll have an update. Exactly. That we are recording on the Friday where the Supreme Court will be 
releasing their ruling on the Mifid Pristone case that came out of Texas. So this case in a quick Spark Notes version of it is from Texas, the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine is trying to remove access to mifepristone, which is also known as the abortion pill, from shelves in pharmacies and clinics nationwide. Um, the FDA, who is part of this case as well, has said, hey, for 23 years, this abortion pill has been really safe, really successful. It should not be taken away from the hands of people that want to make a decision for themselves. And... That case from Texas skyrocketed to SCOTUS, and SCOTUS is keeping us on edge. I keep refreshing Twitter. I keep refreshing my news apps, seeing and trying to figure out what the court is going to say. But for the past year, as advocates, it's we, I really don't have a fortune teller to prepare me about what's going to happen. So as of right now, we're recording at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. We haven't heard anything. And I'm just really hoping we make it through the next hour without anything. Yeah, well, doubly grateful that you're spending time here on Tamarindo. Your work is so urgent and so important. And listen, universe, uh, we need reproductive rights to be protected and enshrined in the Constitution, but also people like you need a break. Yeah, (laughs) I want you to have a lovely summer. (laughs) Right. I need to do laundry, like the most basic of things. I just need to be able to do a load of laundry and have a weekend to myself. But, you know, this is exactly to your point. We all deserve reproductive freedoms, regardless of where you are in the spectrum. You should get to decide what happens to your body. And to be in this on edge state of mind for so long is also not healthy to for us, our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health. So as an advocate myself, I know how important self-care is. And at the same time, you know, I kick myself because I'm like, oh, I have not even like gone outside. I haven't drank water. I haven't, you know, doom scrolled. So I say we need peace and recovery, but at the same time, I'm like, if the court could just release the statement right now, I could be able to do that sooner. Um, we'll see. Yes. <laughs> and you, you perfectly illustrated, um, the intersectionality, right? Like, cause as you're talking about being on edge, you know, people that, that are on DACA are on edge, you know, the, the advocates need to are on edge because they can't even take care of their mental health. So y'all, it is all intersectional. You you all know that, that many the listeners. All right. So to kind of bring some levity, because I know it's a stressful day, uh, we're going to play a little game. So, okay. <laughs> so thanks for playing this game. You, you There's zero preparation necessary for this game. So basically what is going to happen is I'm going to tell you a quick little anecdote or, or news you know, my, my Sparked Notes version of the news of an update of a Latino pop culture update or news. And I just want to hear your thoughts. If it, you think this is a basura, this is trash, or this is a matraca, I'm into it. I like it. Matraca. Okay. So the first one is the most fun. So there is a comedian called Phoebe Robinson. She's amazing. I love her. She's a comedian, podcaster, publisher, queen, all of these things. And every Thursday on her social media, she usually picks a peen of the week and she writes poetry basically about a very attractive celebrity. So this March, she decided to do March Madness of Peen. So she had brackets of all these hot dudes, um, even hot dudes that are no longer on this earth, um, like Paul Newman. And and every, every single week I was out there lobbying for my favorite peen, which is Pedro Pascal. And, <laughs> okay, second to my husband, Jeff, I got to say that uh, I'm going to tell you who won the March Madness of Peen. 
Pedro Pascal. So yay for Latinos. I love that. So are you, is this a matraca or basura? Oh, this is matraca, cohetes, o sea, todo el concierto. <laughs> like, yes, I am a Pedro Pascal stan. Um, I'm glad that the rest of the world is paying attention to our king who has been out there uh, because I, I'm totally here for it. So super, super matraca right now. Yes, yes, yes. Listeners out there I know are like, <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Okay, so here's the next little piece of um, pop culture news out there. Now this, I don't know, maybe this is necess not necessarily Latino news. I guess it's Hispanic because sometimes people categorize people from Spain under the Hispanic mm -hmm. blanket. So let's just say Hispanic news in this case. So there is a woman named Beatriz Flamini who just emerged from spending 500 days in a cave voluntarily. She wanted to, like, this is what she signed up to do. So um, it was a vision. It was a dream that she wanted to accomplish. And it was all to kind of test the human body and spirit uh, of, can, they, can you do it? Can you live underground for 500 uh, days and not talk to other people? She did it. She loved it. She wished it was longer. <laughs> so is this a basura or a matraca? What do you think of Beatriz Flamini spending 500 days under a cave, in a cave? You know, when I saw that news come up on my feed, I thought to myself, same girl, same. If I could spend, <laughs> I am an introvert by nature, but an extrovert because of my work and 500 days. And then I'm reading what she said. And she's like, I honestly thought it was like 160 days or something around there. And that if she could be there, it would be longer. And I felt like, you know, like I'm here for it. But at the same time, I'm like, I can only entertain myself for so long. Even as an only child myself, I can only entertain myself for a couple of days before I start losing it. So I'm saying uh, matraca. Matraca for her. Matraca, exactly. <laughs> matraca for her, basura for me, because I am not fun after a while. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I highly doubt that. But I mean, I get it. It would be very difficult yeah. to self-entertain for 500 yeah. days, girl. That's too much. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Here's our third and final little tidbit. So Netflix just recently released a show called Florida Man. And I clicked on it because I saw that Edgar Ramirez, I was like, oh, a Latino, starring a Latino. Let's give this, let's give this shot, this show a shot, right? Well, and it was kind of like, it was kind of cool. Like it was fast moving and funny. He has this very thick Venezuelan accent. But then as you continue to watch the first show, you meet his sister, no accent. And then his dad, clearly not Latino. And a, and a completely different accent. So it was very puzzling to me how these uh, the accent is not even addressed. And it just, I stopped watching because it just made me feel like there was zero thought put into understanding the Latino experience and the way accents work, which is a huge pet peeve of mine. And Cristina Escobar wrote about this for Latino Rebels. And she says, it's just another example of Hollywood doesn't take Latinos seriously. Is this a basura, a matraca? What are your thoughts on accents in Hollywood? I think that basura to the fact that Netflix isn't doing our community that service, right? And total matraca to Cristina's point, because it's not just about filmmakers and producers um, not really understanding a perspective of a culture they are trying to direct and, and like create a show out of, but it is the, the forcing of assimilation, right? We know a lot of actors that are Latinos that don't have an accent, right? They've lived their whole lives in the United States. So they probably don't have an accent like some people like us, but 
that also shouldn't, um, you know, my thought is the accent is something to be so proud of if you have it and also not something to be ashamed of if you don't. But when you're making a show where like your lead is like clearly has an accent and you, you know, you see all these actors training to be able to have like an English accent or something when they're playing a role like that come on do us a solid and have the leads family also have an accent like his right um so basura to the forced assimilation but matraca to the opinion piece that tv series need to do better Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Well, you won this game. Oh, all right. I love that. <laughs> you just won. <laughs> and the only thing you win here is that we get to transition now to our topic for today's episode. We are talking about therapy speak or the popularity of clinical terms entering our everyday conversations. I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I didn't know that there. this was kind of the coded word for uh, using words like ADHD and OCD and all, you know, I'm building boundaries. I didn't know that was therapy speak. I think for one part, it's because I am in therapy. So I hear them often as I am talking with my therapist, uh, but also it is a form of communication. So I think that people, especially in the Latina culture may consider therapy speak as like selfish right? Or like an American white thing. I remember when I'm telling my mom about what my therapist said, she's like, ah, ya te, ya te agringaste. So you, you, ya te agringaste. Suenas como gringa. Ah, es que los americanos. And I'm like, but we're American now, right? Like we became U.S. and like, you know, all these things, but you know, I digress. And I know that's not just me. It's not just my mom and I having those. I know there's other people like my friends that are also Latino that tell me this, but then I think to myself, imagine living your adult life, not being able to have the words to express how you are feeling. Like sometimes stress and I'm anxious doesn't cover it, right? Sometimes that's just not the word for exactly the emotion you are having. So I do feel that therapy speak has done much more good than any harm. Now, the harm is that I am seeking therapy opinion on TikTok right? That I am trying to like look up keywords and some person is like, well, I know I have OCD. And you're like, maybe I have OCD because I like to put my things this way. And then it's like, no, you don't have OCD. You just are particular, but it brings order, right? There's two, two things can be true. You are not OCD, but you like having order in your house. And where does that stem from? It's like, I love the fact that I can say that. And people are like, oh, that makes sense. Like, okay. Like, great. Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent. That is such a, I love the way you put this together because basically what you're, well, here right now, I had the opportunity to talk to a licensed mental health therapist, Rosa Shetty, and she's the host of the Inner Healing Past podcast. And we explored this and precisely as you predicted, there's probably on the whole more positive than negative, which was a surprise to me. So let's hear from Rosa now. Welcome, Rosa. It's so good to have you here on Tamarindo. Thank you for having me, for inviting me over. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Great. So to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? And if it feels natural, you can also tell us a little bit about your why. Like, what do you do and yeah. why? So my name is Rosa Shetty. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I work as a psychotherapist. I'm in private practice. I've been in 
in the treatment of, um, specifically, I, I focus on sexual assault and trauma in, in women as a result of sexual assault or sexual abuse history. So I've been in this specific field for about 15 years. So it's been, um, it hasn't been the same population over 15 years, but the theme has, you know, across all ages and stages, it's been pretty, um, pretty much the same in terms of um, trauma work. Uh, I'm from LA and I'm a mom. I have two dogs and a cat and a lovely husband. <laughs> yeah. And I know you also have a podcast. So tell us a little yes. bit about this podcast. Yes. Uh, so I have a podcast. It's called Inner Healing Paths. And essentially, I, I like to bring people from all walks of life with the, the main concept behind is how or what has helped them heal or what service that is unique has helped others heal. And, and so basically, I have people from, you know, dietitians, physical therapists, mental health, a lot of mental health folks, of course. Um, I've had mediums, you know, just all people from all walks of life that have a personal story of recovery and healing. So essentially, we, we talk about what has helped them heal and through that unique perspective. And yeah, and that's what my podcast is about. Excellent. And I know you also have some wonderful videos on social. Oh, so yeah. using a lot of your your uh, your platforms yes. to, to talk about these issues. So uh, what I wanted to talk to you about is uh, there are so many people that are now getting really familiar with some of the terms that probably in the past used to only be in therapy rooms. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you are a therapist, so you're using you, you're using these terms correctly and using your platforms to talk about mental health. But there's a lot of us, myself included, that maybe have been using some of these therapy words in a way that perhaps a professional would have a different way of using it. So this is sort of this concept of therapy speak. So can you tell me a little bit about what you think therapy speak is or how you define it? Yeah, so so essentially therapy talk or therapy speak is a specific form of language that that helps us understand specific psychological concepts and behaviors related to mental health. And we use that of course a lot in in the in the at the clinic and when we're talking with colleagues. So in the, in what we're talking and what you're describing on social media therapy speak or the jargon, right? It used to be called, it used to be jargon, really mental health and, and therapy, psychological jargon um, has made its way into everyday life, right? In, in mainstream. And so folks in, in talking to friends and family, they're incorporating these terms. And when I'm and we can, you know, I can name a few, for example, um, like codependency, um, gaslighting, love languages, even things like depression and anxiety and ADHD, these are psychological terms, right? And in a lot of these, what I just described, for example, ADHD, anxiety, depression, these are words, single words that describe a whole lot of behaviors and characteristics. So that's what we mean, right? Is, is using these words that represent uh, a broad spectrum of human behavior and even diagnoses, and we use them very, uh, you know, just in everyday conversations, either about ourselves or in reference to others. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As you're as you're describing some of these words or giving these examples, I just think of like in my own life, I'm telling my my husband all the time, "You're gaslighting me," or 
often I, yeah. I because there's such prevalence of descriptions of some of these um, behaviors, like for example, ADHD. I, I identify with so many of the traits that are that I run across on social media that I want. I have my, you know, I, I myself wonder, gosh, do I need to get a diagnosis? And I, I even get advertisements like, oh, did you newly get diagnosed with ADHD? So that's kind of how it's showing up in everyday life, and I'm sure a lot of people can identify with that. But can you tell us, you know, what are some of the dangers of using therapy language when we aren't therapists? I wouldn't say so much danger. I think it's more of a caution in terms of uh, whenever we oversimplify uh, a very complicated um, condition, human condition, right? When we oversimplify it, um, we tend to also oversimplify the remedy or the medicine or the the healing of it, right? So if everyone has, um, you know, anxiety um, or trauma, then what everyone is doing should also work for X, Y, and Z or for me, right? But the reality is that we are so unique and there are so many characteristics that incorporate who we are and how we respond to treatment. So when someone, um, you know, just uses some of these terms freely, they, in a way, I guess the caution would be to to not take away from the uniqueness of each experience and each, um, for, you know, that each person has gone through. There's so many layers and intersectionalities, right? When we talk about um, just the the orientation, you know, just for folks of color and and just where you live and where your family is from and all of this stuff, right? It plays into how your let's say anxiety or depression or even trauma, how it's being manifested. So when we oversimplify something, sometimes we also oversimplify what someone, what we think, right? Someone should be doing to get better. And unfortunately for a lot of folks, you know, let me just give the example of depression, for example, it's so, it's used everywhere, right? And we even, we don't even realize that it is a clinical you know, it's a diagnosis, a clinical um, word to describe a very complicated condition for a lot of people. And and when we use it like that, then when we hear that so-and-so has, is depressed, it's almost like it, it, it can take away the severity and the experience of that person. So that would be my why I feel that it, there's a little bit of caution for me. But in general, I, I think that because uh, so many especially our community, Latinx community over the years, we've been so, we haven't been exposed to a lot of, to, to even therapy, right? Therapy has always been very expensive and there's, it's almost like it's been a privilege, right? To, to be, to be, uh, to be seen by a therapist or be in, in therapy. So nowadays in the last few years that it's becoming more mainstream, it's, it's, folks are actually benefiting from learning and the exposure of these words. But but nevertheless, I, I do think that, that that would be my main concern, right? To not simplify someone's unique experience to whatever it is that they're going through, just because it's so common or everybody talks about it. Yeah, no, thank you. That's really, really helpful. And I like the framing of thinking of it, of um, caution, like, treat these words with caution because when we use them so liberally, we could be taking away from the real lived experience and challenges that that um, others are going through and that have had 
you know, a clinical diagnosis. So I really appreciate that way of looking at it. And you kind of touched a little bit on this. So on the flip side, can you tell me a little bit more about some of the maybe positive outcomes of the way more and more of us are becoming familiar with these terms? What are some of the positive outcomes? Yeah, so there's there's a lot. Um, well, first of all, you know, as a, as a trauma therapist, one of the foundational, you know, thing that, you know, one of the foundation of our treatment is education. So, you know, from the very beginning, session one, so, you know, the, the initial sessions, we're providing a lot of education to the folks that, that are coming in to, to heal on, you know, whether sexual abuse and manifested as PTSD or, you know, whatever it may be. We are focusing on education as a, as a trauma therapist. So when I, so when folks come in already having some awareness, it helps, you know, it helps their treatment. It, it helps progress their treatment. Um, awareness, education are key to be able to, to, to even have the indication that you need to change, to be able to, to even know that there is something that wrong in, in a sense, right? That what you went through as a child or what you experienced is not something that, that everyone goes through, that it was not okay. And sometimes it just starts with that, with that awareness, that education, maybe Maybe it is on a TikTok video and you heard someone share their story and that alerted you to, wait a minute, I went through that. And, and you know, so th that can start the process of healing and change. So I think that is very, very beneficial. I, I mentioned earlier, especially for communities of color, you know, we have not been exposed to this. So, um, so in a way, a lot of this jargon that we're talking about has been kept in separate from us, right? Um, or in academia or among, you know, the medical professionals, psychologists. And now folks are able to, to learn this very, I mean, they can just Google it. They get a, a, a basic sense of what it is that they're going through the, and knowing, and sometimes, you know, honestly, sometimes just having a name to your experience to know that you're not the only one, that there's actually something out there called X, Y, and Z. And it makes sense because this is what you experience your whole life there's something very healing and empowering just in knowing that right? without you know even getting therapy or going on that process just knowing that that you're not the only one that there, this is actually a thing right that there's people that go through this can be so healing and so empowering uh, just to take control of your life and, and to take control of your mental health. So I, I think there's a lot of positives. I've had um, just in the, in the recent, more so, I mean, like I said, I've been in, in there and as a therapist, I've been in the field for 15 years. So I would say in the last three to four years, I've had people uh, come in, usually in their 20s, uh, that want to work on attachment style. You know, and I would, I, that's not something that I would see before, you know, they come in and they say, you know, I, I want to work on my attachment style with, you know, and I think I have avoiding attachment, I have this and, you know, and then in, in, in getting a little bit more of the story, there's actually that term, even though it's very academic, there's actually an emotional connection because of what they've been through as a child and what they experienced with their parents. They're able to make that connection. So it starts off maybe very cognitive and very mental in terms of this is what I want to work on. But when we really dig a little deeper, we realize there's a lot, uh, there's a lot there. So I think, like I said, it's, I think it's a good catalyst. And I think especially the younger generations that are on TikTok and I shouldn't say just the younger generations because everyone's on TikTok and Instagram, but um, I have seen this trend uh, where folks are coming in and 
and they say specifically what they want to work on, which I think is great because it shows that they, they're invested in, in their healing, their mental health. And there's a, there's a buy-in already because they already believe that this is what they're going through. Right. And, and seeking help, I think in a way can either validate that or it can actually point a different direction. Maybe there's something else, maybe something even more complicated, more complex happening. So I think it's, it's always a, a good thing to learn and know more. Yeah, no, thank you. That's, that's really, um, I think, a refreshing perspective because it, going into this conversation, I was worried or concerned that, oh, no, what if I've been contributing to taking these terms too lightly? But, and I definitely don't want to do that. So my next question will be some recommendations on how we can not fall into that pitfall. But it is also helpful to hear that, you know, and even when maybe incorrectly, we're, we're at least creating awareness or exposure. And that is, is getting folks to have a little bit of a plan or a little bit of um, helping them narrow what they want to work on. So that's very helpful to, to gain that perspective. So what advice do you have for those of us that do want to promote wellness, but we don't want to diminish the real life experiences of people struggling with mental health issues? Uh, yeah. So I would say that it is definitely important to encourage folks to, yes, learn and explore these concepts, do your own research, find sources that that have been, um, that are, you know, reputable, that have the expertise and also do your own internal work. Your, uh, know yourself, basically explore who you are, where you come from, where you want to go, because all of these, all of these elements, where you come from, where you are and where you want to go, this is what plays into how your specific condition, whether it's ADHD or anxiety or trauma, it will play out in terms of how it's being shown or manifested. So I think it is very important to, yes, learn what, what the experts or the folks have to say, but also learn yourself. Because one of the things that, you know, therapy 101 as, you know, as a therapist, what we learn in, initially is that the client is the expert in their life. I'm not the expert in, in your life. You know yourself best. And, I, and I'm just here to, to provide that this space for healing. But I'm not, you know, I, I don't know your, you and, and, and you know yourself better than anyone. So if you can really tap into that knowing and explore who you are and understand where you want to go, I think the combination of this information and knowledge with the, the solid understanding of who you are the combination of those two things that they can be very powerful for folks that that want to get better, feel better, and heal. Beautiful. Thank you so, so much. So um, this has been extremely helpful. I really appreciate your time. Now to kind of change things up a little bit. Uh, we we enjoy these fire rapid fire questions that we ask all of our guests. And there's no right or wrong answers. You know yourself best. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Anything that comes to mind. So uh, let, first one is easy. What is something you're celebrating? It could be big, small, or just anything that brings you joy. What gets your matraca is what we call here. Uh, I really love dancing with my daughter. Um, she's in folklorico, but it's a mommy and me, parent and me folklorico. And I, surprisingly, I'm really enjoying that process of dancing folklorico with my little one. That sounds so lovely. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
absolutely beautiful. How old is she? She's three. Oh my gosh, that sounds yeah, like so, so much she, fun. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, yeah, really settling into into that because it's going to be. Uh, I think parents dance with their children till they're four or five, so I, th- I have a, another year to year or two to go. <laughs> so I'm enjoying that. That sounds yeah. lovely. And then, uh, what goes in la basura? What is something could be big, small, a concept, a policy, or even something really tiny that you're done with? Oh my goodness, there's a lot. But what is coming? to mind right now is the idea that like imposter syndrome, like, I don't know, like, who do you think you are to be doing X, Y, and Z? It's like that for me is, is out. Right. And it's almost like, no, this is who I am. And because I am this, I can do X, Y, and Z. So that concept of imposter syndrome and everything that it represents, I've been working on letting that go. The work in progress, but (laughs) some days are better than others. Very relatable. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Sending to la basura, imposter syndrome. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And then what is one of the ways that you like to center yourself, to feel grounded? How do you get your calma? Yeah. um, I I mean, it's going to sound a little cliche, but I literally just, I like to... uh, put soothing music on and for at least I tell myself at least five minutes uh, meditate or do nothing you know just reflect look out the window or you know just ba- basically try to clear my mind or or sometimes it's a meditation it turns into a meditation but a lot of times it's just doing nothing for five to ten minutes and giving myself permission that it's okay to do absolutely nothing for a few minutes a day that's excellent. Do you set a timer when you when you make space? Yes, for that? I do, <laughs> because otherwise I, I I start getting antsy, you know. <laughs> so yes, I I um I I set a timer for five minutes or fifteen. I try to do fifteen minutes, but um, like today I, I got five minutes in, and you know it's like okay, that's good enough. <laughs> I got it in. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for sharing all that. Now, what is the best way for folks to keep up with you? Yeah, so I'm on social media on Instagram. That's m- mostly, I mean, that's where I, I hang out most of the time. Uh, social media is just my name. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, for all social media, I should say, it's just my name, Rosa Shetty. But Instagram, uh, my podcast is on Apple and on Spotify and, and everywhere else. So you can find me there. And, and yeah, and I, I, I have my email in, in each account. So if you want to reach out or DM me, I, I love receiving messages and connecting with folks there. Well, thank you so, so much. This was such a pleasure. Thank you for, ha- um, thank you for being on Tamarindo. Yes. Thank you for having me, Brenda. Well, that was a fantastic conversation. I hope you all are are thinking a little bit more about Therapy Speak and, and recognizing the way we're all at least embracing and be more accepting of seeking help and seeking the therapy, but doing it in a way that we're cautious about the, the language that we use. All right. Now to close out our episode, I have these fun rapid fire questions for you. First, I want to ask, what is one thing you're celebrating? I am celebrating seeing 
young people be so interested in protecting their communities, um, especially when it comes to gun reform, immigration rights, reproductive rights, seeing young people at the Capitol. I'm celebrating that, you know what, the kids are going to be all right. They got this. Yeah, you know, that is so true. So there, there is a, so much doom out there. But when you see the, the young, young people organizing, I mean, as you all know, there was, a, a, unfortunately, a couple of shootings. Of course, by the time you hear it, there'll probably be another four, four more shootings because that is just the way that we're in. But we're seeing young people and intersectional, you know, building those bridges across different issues raise up. And, and that is a reason to be hopeful. So I agree with you. Big matraca to that. I love that. Matraca, matraca. Now, what is one thing you're done with? What goes in la basura? What are you canceling? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I am canceling those big, ugly dad shoes that I'm seeing everywhere in the streets, everywhere in Coachella right now, people posting their <laughs> outfits. Those like <laughs> Nike, not sorry, not Nike, New Balance shoes that have those huge platforms. You know what I mean? That look like space <laughs> shoes. Yes, so hideous. I'm just like, <laughs> you can't like that. You You cannot look at me and be like this. This is fashion. So I am canceling it. Bring back Vans. Bring back Converse. Like, I just cannot stand looking at those shoes. So basura. Oh, my gosh. Those things are hideous. I mean, they are hideous. They don't look good. It's not fashion. I am curious, though, if they're, they're probably really comfortable. It does look like you're walking on a cloud, <laughs> an ugly ass cloud. Yeah, I better hear that 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 your back, you've never had a back problem after you started wearing them. Then I'll maybe w- move away from Basuda with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now with everything going on, how do you like to stay grounded? Where do you, how do you get your calma? Mm, such a good question. I bring or I find my calma through taking care of my plants. Since your listeners cannot see me, uh, but my house, I have a lot of plants. And being able to just be present in watering them and checking the leaves, it's almost a extension of how I'm taking care of myself. Even as just putting water on them and not doing anything else, I feel brings me a lot of peace because then, you know, I'm taking care of other living things that are in my home. I got calm just hearing you speak about that. I love it. I love thinking of it as like an extension of the self-care for ourselves, watering our plants. Yes, I'm looking at my plantitas now. Yes, yes. The the kids are all right. Las plantitas are all right. I love that calma. Yeah. And then lastly, are there any shows or books or movies uh, that have been entertaining you lately? Mm, so good. I love reading and currently in the hunt for a bookcase that can handle all my books because this one is falling apart. Um, I have a book, well, recently for people that are listening, if you haven't checked out uh, Sylvia Garcia, and I am blanking on the rest of her last name. Uh, she, she's got three of them. She's got, I know, right? <laughs> she's got three of them. And I'm, I only remember two, but she's a writer. Uh, she's the author of Mexican Gothic. Um, and yes. I just finished A Certain Dark Things and she's releasing uh, Silver Nitrate. And I am just waiting on that book. And I think the reason I bring why it's in my mind so often is I know very few Latina authors that write about fiction that way which they bring that kind of like Victorian and like Gothic kind of era vibes into a very like Latino, like centered story. And 
I am just itching to get that new book in my hands. And I've been thinking about it a lot about her lately because she doesn't usually post on social media and she currently has. And I'm just waiting to have my little fan moment one day when she comes to Colorado, if she ever does. I love the way you described her books. I've read a couple of her books and now I'm reminded I should add more of her books into my, I do a lot of audiobooks. So Silvia Moreno Garcia, thank you for giving us just such creativity, sci-fi, uh, fantasy, and always doing it with a Latina lens. We're, we're here for it. We are here for it. <laughs> well, with that, that wraps up our show. Is there anything else you'd like the audience to know? How can they keep up with you? Tell us. Yes. So if you are interested in being part of a movement about reproductive justice and you want to do it in the community and the Latina community, you don't have to be in Colorado to join Color Latina's work. So make sure that you follow us around in social media, arroba at Color Latina on all of our platforms. And myself, you know, not only am I working with Color, but I also am very active in our community from being able to do speaking engagements and just talking to young people that want to understand how our Latinidad and reproductive liberation are, are one and the same. So for that, you can follow me at Aurea, uh, what is that underscore BP? Uh, I'm sure that when this uh, podcast is released, there will be links to everything, but I just ask for those listening that if what you're watching in TV and in your communities, it is something that lights high fire on you, take the moment to like recover and rest, but also join us because the next 10 years of this fight are going to be necessary for you to join. Honestly, all I can say is we need you and we're here for you. And I myself am doing my best to ensure that there's no topic that we steer away from, especially when it comes to our like our cultura, but also our identity as Latino people in this country, because we deserve the mic, we deserve the platform. And I mean, this is exactly why we're here, right? Talking about these things together. Absolutely perfect. Well, thank you so, so much. It's been a dream to have you as guest co-host. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. I hope the Supreme Court lets you rest right. at least this weekend. <laughs> and thank you again. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here with you. And I look forward to another opportunity to talk. Yeah. Bye-bye, Tamarindo listeners. Bye. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Anasheila Victorino with production support from Josie Melendez and Augusto Martinez Delgado of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you like our show, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast or share an episode with a friend. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. 
Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.